Hello, good morning. Welcome to Northwest Hills Online. Happy Easter. Thanks for gathering with us here today. My name is Megan Karstensen. During these unique times with the coronavirus outbreak, we're still gathering together, worshiping God just in our own homes, making this for a fun and unique Easter. So weird, right? Well, thanks for embracing this with us and making the most of it, and even better, seeking God during this time to see what he has for us. This will be about a one-hour long service that will include some music and a message from Pastor Josh. But before we dive into the music and the sermon, we just ask that you take a moment and just pause. And prepare your heart for receiving God's word and for worshiping him through song. Now, I know this will look different for you in your different contexts, but we believe this is a really important part of preparing our hearts to listen to and engage in an online service. If you're watching this after the live feed, feel free to just pause the video right now and just take a moment to just pause and prepare your heart. If you're watching this live with me, um, pause along with me and pray with me as we prepare our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, we're just going to pause right now. And just all the things that are racing through our minds, all the angst, all the pressures that we're feeling, or the to-do list, or whatever weight we're bearing during this time of unknown and uncertainty, um, with much thanksgiving and joy, Lord, we just set those aside and we just rest in you. I'm so thankful that amongst all of this, I am still loved and there's still hope to be found and I can just rest in you. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would prepare our hearts right now to receive your word and to worship you through song. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a soft heart to receive what you have for us today. Jesus, we need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the mission and vision, the mission and vision of Northwest Hills is to love Jesus, live like Jesus, and make him known. Right now, to live out our mission of loving Jesus, we ask that you continue to engage in these online services, as well as continue to practice the spiritual disciplines. Those disciplines include um, prayer, meditation on God's word, Sabbath, silence and solitude, and fasting. If you need a refresher on what those are, or even better, you've never heard of those before, we did a sermon series on the spiritual disciplines in the fall. You can re-listen to those through our website, or you can podcast those. I know that for me during this time of unchanging things and no normalcy, um, loving Jesus in these ways has brought foundation into my life and given me new life each day. Another part of our vision and mission is to live like Jesus, and we ask that you would continue to be a part of a community group, which is restarting next week. If you're already in a community group, your group leader will be contacting you soon about a digital meetup. If you're not in a community group, this is the perfect time to sign up. It's really simple. You go to our website, you click groups, and then you click on community groups, and there's a link to sign up there. We also believe a way to live like Jesus is to be serving. And we know that during this time, this is going to be geared towards more towards our family and those in our immediate community. But we do ask that you would be on the lookout of ways to be serving during this time. And of course, we always want to be making Jesus known. And that's what Pastor Josh is going to talk about today in his message. And it's our heart's desire that you would be compelled to make Jesus known in a very specific way during this outbreak. 
while you're listening to this message and reflecting on it later, continue to ask God how he wants you to make him known during this time. We hope that you enjoy the service as we love Jesus, live like Jesus, and make him known. Here's Justin, who's going to lead us in a time of worship through music.
the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the Northwest Hills Community Church, Pastor Josh here. I wanted to welcome you to our Sunday service online Easter. It's crazy, it's amazing, it's so good, and it's so different, but he is still risen. I want to uh, bring your attention to something that perhaps you haven't thought about yet. This is uh, a very, very unique Sunday service. It's a very unique Easter, and here's the thing. It is very likely that for the first time in your entire life, you will experience Easter like it was on the very first Easter 2,000 years ago. Now, what do I mean by that? Typically, when we think about Easter, when we think about what we do for Easter, we all gather. We gather in a big room. We gather with a lot of people. There's a lot of excitement. There's energy. We cook a big ham which is so ironic and wrong on so many levels, but I'm not going to give you a lesson in Jewish history. Um, we have egg hunts, which again feel like incredibly anticlimactic this year, if I'll be honest, because the whole point of an egg hunt is to get all the eggs before all your friends do. Like, you're going to find them all this year. I promise you, you have like four months, you'll find them all. Like the one with $5 in it, eventually you'll find it. If you've got a bunch of brothers and sisters, I guess, like, hurry up and find it before they do. But it's a little different this year. Um, this year, uh, I, I doubt that you're dressing up. I doubt you've got your flowers and your bows and your ties. Like, if you do, though, like, please take a picture, send it to us. I would love to see that. Put it on the Facebook page. That would be awesome. But here's what we're not doing this year. We are not gathering in a large group of people. 
We're at home. We are behind doors trying to isolate, which is the exact place that the disciples found themselves in on the very first Easter. So we're going to turn uh, to the book of John this morning, John chapter 20. We're doing a little different than, uh, than our Roman series, but we're going to talk about Paul. We're going to talk about the author of Romans, um, but we're going to start with John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. This is the night of the very first Easter. Again, if you've got, um, uh, if, you're, if you're in a position where you can stand and that feels like you're giving honor to God's word, stand. If you're doing something else and you're in the middle of cleaning out your garage and you're listening to this, or you're podcasting this, you don't have to stand, but I would just ask you just to kind of pause what you're doing. Um, I know sometimes when we listen to a sermon, you're, you're doing all kinds of things, but, but for God's word, would you just pause for a minute and would you listen to the words of John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may take a seat. You may get back to whatever it is that you are doing, and we'll get into the word of God. On the very first Easter evening, um, people were in isolation. Uh, the disciples, they were behind closed doors. They were afraid. They were in times of uncertainty. We're going to talk about this and, and what their uncertainty was and why they were afraid. But it's very much like you and I. Right now, we are, we're at our homes. We're trying not to be around other people. And Jesus came to them, and he had a message for them. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at three very specific encounters that Jesus had. The first encounter was what we just read. We're going to look at what happened that very first night after Jesus rose from the dead when he met his apostles for the very first time after he rose. And then we're going to spend a decent amount of time looking at the story of Paul. You know, we've been in this, this study in our, in our study of Romans where we're in week 13 right now, each week through a different chapter, and, and we're going to look at the author. We're going to get a kind of a behind-the-scenes look at what it was like when he met the resurrected, risen Jesus for the first time. It was a life-changing moment for him. And then lastly, and perhaps most importantly, we're going to look at our lives and we're going to say, what happens to us? What happens to you and I? when we meet the resurrected Jesus for the first time. So what happened that first Easter? What happened on that night? Like we said earlier, the, the apostles were, were hidden in a room together behind closed doors. Um, perhaps this was the same room that they had had their, um, their dinner with Jesus, the, the kind of final communion that we remember before Jesus died. But we don't know exactly where it was, but, but most likely it was in a place like that where they're gathering together and they are terrified. They're afraid that the Jews are going to find them. They just killed Jesus. And they're very likely looking for the apostles to do the same to them as well. So they're very afraid. And what does Jesus do? The first thing that we see is Jesus showed up. He blew all expectations out of the water. He came and he said, here I am. There was nothing in the disciples' minds that thought that this was possible. They, they saw him dead. They were very familiar with death. They knew what crucifixion was. They saw Jesus die just a few days earlier. And there was nothing in their logical brains that said, oh yeah, we're going to see Jesus again. 
Jesus defied all logic. This did not fit into their worldview, and he showed up in that room. It's super interesting, too, we see how he showed up. He didn't knock on the door. He didn't, um, he didn't jump in through a window. He didn't climb in through the roof. The text says, very specifically, behind locked doors, he appeared. We see that Jesus' body and his post-resurrected body was very, very different than just the physical body that you and I have. Um, this is a body that we will one day look forward to having once we uh, are with the Lord face-to-face as well. But he just showed up. Again, breaking all the barriers of everything that we would think would be normal. Breaking all of the logical ideas of how we experience the world, how we think life's going to be. Jesus breaks all of that and he shows up simply in their midst and he has a message for them. You probably picked up on these words. His words are pretty simple. It's interesting. He doesn't say a lot of things. He says a very few things. And and I want to focus just on those couple few things here. The very first thing that he says to them is he says this in verse 19. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I, I literally cannot think of a better message for this Easter. Jesus comes and for the first time when he sees his followers, he says, peace be with you. Now, this was a very common thing to say when you were greeting someone in that time. But Jesus is not just saying like, hey, what's up? How's it going? Jesus is literally trying to say, I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. What I just went through, I just conquered death. Let me give you a peace that will stir your hearts and your affections to a place where you don't have to live in fear anymore. It's super interesting. This is not a peace that Jesus just says is like, hey, let's have some like wishful thinking that everything's going to be okay. Let's kind of just bury our head in the sand and just imagine a time when life will be better. This isn't like this Pollyanna pie in the sky. This isn't this idea that, you know what, at the end of every rainbow, there's a pot of gold. The sun will come out tomorrow. Everything will be okay. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he's saying, I have a peace that is so much better than all of this. Because here's the thing. The very next thing he says that we read in the text is verse 20. He says this. He says, when he had said this, so he says, peace be with you. He showed them his hands and his side. He does this, I believe, for two reasons. He shows them his hands. So so he's showing like, hey, here's the place where I was nailed to the cross. He shows them his side. This is where the spear went up into me, assuring that I would die. What he's saying by showing them, here are my hands, here's my side, is he's saying, "This, this is me, this is really me. This is the same friend that you lived with for three years. This is the same man that you watched a few days ago hanging on that cross. This is me. I'm not a phantom person. I'm not someone else in some costume. Like, this really is me, and I've conquered death. I made it. I I gave my life for you, and we will get through this. Yeah, you know what? It's going to, life's going to be painful. There's going to be moments where there's angst and insecurity and uncertainty and hardship. I mean, look what I just went through, but I went through it and I made it and you will make it. And he says this again. He says, peace be with you. He says that twice. He meets him. He says, peace be with you. He shows him his scars 
and he says, peace be with you again. See, again, I mean, this is something that we talk about so often right now. There is a lot of uncertainty. You know, we're right in the middle of this coronavirus stuff, and for some of us, we're starting to get kind of news fatigue. It's like, okay, like, I've heard about it enough, and like, it's not a big deal in my town because I don't know anyone personally, and I think some of us are going like, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of all this. And then some of us, like, we, we're still like very, very heightened. We're still very much aware of the potential threats that this could have on, on our health care, on like, just the, the totality of what it brings to our economy. Some of us are still having a hard time sleeping. I mean, I've talked to a number of people in our very church who are saying, like, this is super stressful for me. Um, I've talked to a lot of younger people right now who just, whether it's in university or whether it's in school, like, it's just affecting them on a lot of ways. And I've talked to a lot of couples right now. I mean, the reality is, like, for families, like, this is putting a lot of angst. I've talked to so many people on my street who said this week when we got the final word that school was out until September that there were literally tears shed just with all the adjustments that's being taken place. I mean, you read some of the news stories right now, and some of the most tragic things that you read coming out of this are stories like the rise of domestic abuse when people are forced to be home and they're forced to um, be face-to-face with um, kind of just the inner reality of who they are as a person in the midst of all kinds of pressure and stress. See, when we're squeezed, when pressure hits us, the real us comes out, and the real us sometimes is not the greatest. And Jesus comes to say, I Give you my peace. And then what does he do next? It's beautiful. He says, not only do I give you my peace, but look what he says in verse 21. He says, uh, after he says for the second time, I give you my peace, he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Um, when When he gives the disciples the word that I give you my peace, He says, I'm sending you. Even as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So this peace that you have, this peace that you say, you know what, like I can get through anything. I can get through this. You know what, stress, hardship, trial, persecution, angst, whatever, I I can get through this. But it's not just for me to get through. Even as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And Jesus sends his disciples. He sends them. That's why we get the word apostle, sent one. He sends them to the world. And if I were to have the time to go through the stories of what the apostles did and where they went through, uh, where they went to, I mean, the stories are incredible. You look at the known world at the time and where these actual apostles went and what they gave to share this word. I mean, they went all over. They went to East India, they went to North Africa, they went to Southern Arabia, they went to Italy, they went to Rome, they went to Greece, they went all over the Mediterranean, and all of them but one literally gave their lives to share this message of peace that Jesus brings. It cost them everything, but it was worth it to bring the peace that Jesus brought on that first Easter The next kind of um, person that I want to look at that experienced this resurrected Jesus, the risen Jesus, is Paul. Now, obviously, we've been, uh, if you're a part of Northwest Hills, uh, we've been in this study of Romans. And for a long time, like kind of the last two months, I was planning, okay, we're just going to plow right through on Easter. We're going to preach Romans 13. And even earlier in this week, all the way through, probably like halfway through Tuesday, I was like, I'm going to preach Romans 13 and kind of did a lot of study in that. And God just kept just pushing on my heart, like, I, I want you to do something a little bit different. I want you to talk about what happens when we meet the risen Jesus. And I want you to look at Paul and what happened when Paul met the risen Jesus. 
And we haven't talked about that um, in our study. We haven't talked about kind of the background of who Paul was and kind of where he came from and how he went from, from being this person who was adamantly opposed to Jesus for someone who literally gave everything for Jesus. So in order to get this picture of who Paul was, you got to kind of uh, go back uh, in uh, our Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Um, this is a story that this week I would just encourage you to kind of go through and read. Start in Acts chapter 7, kind of read 7, 8, 9. You can kind of see the full story. If you really are gung-ho, you can read the whole book of Acts and see the full life of Paul. But we're going to look at just the beginning of this kind of encounter that Paul had with Jesus. Just a side note, as you're reading, uh, you'll notice that Paul kind of has two different names. Sometimes he's referred to as Saul, sometimes he's referred to as Paul. Now, there is uh, a lot of misinformation going out there. Sometimes people will say, oh yeah, Saul, that was his old name. Well, he hated Jesus, and then Jesus gave him a new name, and he said, no, your new name's going to be Paul. Um, That's not true at all. I have no idea where people got that information from, probably kind of taking it from Abram to Abraham, Old Testament, kind of mixing that all together. Not true. Simply, Paul and Saul are the same name, just referred to differently, whether you're kind of talking to a Hebrew audience or a Greek audience. So as you're reading uh, in our text in Romans, he refers to himself as Paul because he's talking to a Greek audience. Uh, Here early on in the book of Acts, he's uh, referring primarily here uh, to a Jewish audience. So he talks in Hebrew uh, using the word Saul. So we'll pick this up. Um, kind of in, in uh, Acts chapter 7. So think about this. Um, after the moment that we just talked about, where Jesus was meeting with his apostles, kind of in that upper room, and he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. Um, they listen to that, uh, and they go. They devote their lives, starting in Jerusalem. And so they start telling everyone about the peace that Jesus brings. They start telling all these Jewish people this. But the Jews rejected Jesus primarily. Like most Jewish people said, absolutely not. Jesus is not God. Um, they, they, they loved God. They had a very high view of God. Um, but in their worldview, Jesus was not him. And so anyone who was promulgating this idea that Jesus was God, the Jews were adamantly opposed to that idea. Um, adamantly opposed so much so that they started persecuting these uh, Christians who were sharing this idea that Jesus was God and he had some peace to offer. Uh, So much so that in Acts chapter 7, um, there was kind of a, a formal lynching and mobbing and murder of the first Christian, a man named Stephen. And in the middle of all this um, was Saul. Uh, it, the, the text says that Saul heartily gave his approval to the stoning of Stephen. At this point, you can imagine there was a lot of panic that happened amongst the early church, amongst these early Christians, uh, as the first Christian was killed. So in Jerusalem, people started leaving the city, and they started saying, okay, uh, I'm at danger now. My life is at risk. The Jews are trying to kill us. So people fled the city in mass numbers. And Paul made it his endeavor, his life, to go from house to house to house in the city of Jerusalem to try to find whoever was left. Whatever one of these Christians was left, he was going to stomp out this faith. And so he grabs these people, men, women, children, and he imprisons them. You want to talk about someone who was adamantly against the Christian faith, right? This this is not someone who's like writing a blog. This is not someone who's got a website. This is not someone who's even publishing books. This is someone who is intentionally imprisoning, beating, and approving the murder of Christians, 
probably the only word that I could think of that would even somewhat translate would be the word terrorist. Paul was literally a terrorist hunting Christians. He hated them so much that hunting them in the city of Jerusalem alone wasn't enough. So he writes a letter to the governor. He says, hey, I want your permission to leave this city and to go chase the Christians who left this town and went to other places. And I want to go find them and I want to bring them back and I want to imprison them and I want to punish them. The governor gives him this permission. And so he heads out to a town called Damascus, which is just a little distance away from Jerusalem. And as he is on his way to Damascus, this is the moment that Paul meets Jesus for the first time. Now, if you don't know the story well, you got to realize that Paul did not have an encounter with Jesus while Jesus was on earth. At this point, Jesus had already risen. He'd already be, uh, he's already back in heaven. Um, so when he meets Jesus here, it's a very different way than when the apostles spent their life with Jesus. We read this in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. The story continues, and in Acts chapter 9, um, what we see is how God normally works. And I, I love this. Um, we don't see kind of this continuation of this glorified Jesus post-resurrected showing up to Saul saying, Saul, this is who I am. This is why you need to obey me. This is why you need to change everything about your life. That's, that's just not how the story goes. Um, God uses very normal means of communication to share with Paul exactly who he is. And how does he do that? He uses another human. He uses a man named Ananias. And I love the story of Ananias. Uh, this is a guy who, who receives a vision from God. And God tells him, he says, um, Ananias, I want you to share uh, with Paul who I am. And I love Ananias. He's like, nope, I, I'm not going to do that. Now, I'd like to think in my humanness that like, if God gave me a vision that was so clear that I knew it was from God and he asked me to do something, I'd like to think that my response would be like, yeah, sure. Like, you're God of the universe. Like, if you want me to do something, I'm all in. I'll do it. I'd like to think that that's what I would do. But the reality is I'm probably very much like Ananias. And Ananias is like, God, I'm, I'm afraid. Like, I know why Saul's here. I, I know why he's in Damascus. He's here hunting Christians on a terrorist journey. I don't want to do that. And... Um, God responds to Ananias and he says, no, like Ananias, like I need you to do this. I need you to go and tell Paul um, who I am. I need you to explain that I, I conquered death, that I really am God, that I rose again, uh, and that there's peace to be had if you know me, peace with God. And, um, and, and, then, he, and then he adds this on there. And then he says, um, and also you're going to tell Paul how much he's going to have to suffer. And I, I think it's interesting, and, and it's not this idea that Paul's going to kind of like live out this life of, of punishment because of his former life, but it's more like he's going to live a life identifying with the life and the persecution of Jesus by pouring everything out. And that's what he does. Ananias goes, and he, um, he shares with Paul. Uh, Paul gets baptized. He puts his faith in Christ right there in that moment. 
And then everything about Paul's life from that moment forward is dramatically changed. Uh, you want to talk about someone who has had probably one of the biggest impacts on our globe ever, sans Jesus himself, is the Apostle Paul. Um, Paul travels at this point um, for the rest of his life. He travels to more than 50 different cities and regions, uh, traversing thousands of miles, either by foot or on boat, um, giving his life to Jesus. He goes from someone who is chasing and imprisoning and beating and murdering people to being someone who is beaten, chased, imprisoned, and killed himself. When Paul met Jesus... It completely changed his life. It changed everything. So lastly, in our time together, I just want to spend a couple minutes looking at what it looks like when you and I meet Jesus, when we have this encounter with him. See, here we are on an Easter Sunday, um, and, and for, for a lot of us, like you're, obviously, you're watching a church service. You have some sort of connection with faith. Maybe you're a kid, and in your parents' home, you're like, yeah, I don't know what to do with all this. Um, maybe you, you're watching this on Facebook, and you got a link from an old high school friend. I don't know. But at some point, you got to ask yourself the question, what am I going to do with Jesus? Right? you you got to ask yourself the question, do I believe in Jesus? Fundamentally, this is a question that we all have to ask. Some of us, as we, as we think through that question, we have so many barriers to believing that Jesus really is God, to believing that there is anything outside of this world that is, that is supernatural, anything that is not just physical, material, here, right now, that I can see, taste, smell, see, taste, touch, smell. We have a hard time believing beyond the realms of what is right here and right now. Some of us... We're saying, God, like maybe you exist. Maybe there's some sort of God who like created the world and who kind of like put it into being. Um, but I just, I just don't know that you, if you exist, like that you know about my inward thoughts and my soul and my angst and all the things that I have going on in my life. I just, I just don't know if, if God, you would care about me. Like maybe you exist, but do you really care about me? You know, some of us maybe this morning were saying like, I, I did have a true relationship, a true encounter. I, I really feel like I knew the Lord at one point and it made a huge impact in my life. But man, that was a while ago. And you know, maybe my kids are grown now and, and, and maybe life's gone a little bit different direction than I thought. And, and maybe the impact that I thought you had on my life at one point just isn't there anymore. You know, maybe for some of us, like we've met Jesus and it's changed everything. Maybe for some of us, uh, maybe we're struggling with a little bit of doubt this morning. You know, here's the thing. Like, you're not alone in that doubt. I, w- I want to think just a minute. Just go back to that first Easter in that room where everyone's behind closed doors and they're scared. Think about this with me for just a minute. Earlier in the morning, um, the Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene went down to um, the tomb where Jesus was. Uh, she goes down there. She sees that the stone is rolled away. Um, and she goes and she gets Peter and she gets John. Uh, two of the disciples. And so they go, Peter and John, and they run down to the tomb. Peter's kind of a little bit chubbier, and he's a little bit slower of a runner. Sorry, history tells us that. Uh, They get there, uh, and the tomb's empty, and Jesus's clothes uh, that he was buried in were uh, neatly folded. They weren't there, and the text says that they saw it and they believed. So they had this moment where um, they saw the empty tomb. This is James and John, or sorry, this is uh, uh, Peter and John. They see the empty tomb. They believe 
But then they go back and, and they're with everyone else. Uh, they go back and, and they're having to explain to everyone, hey guys, we saw this, this is what happened, but they're still afraid. They're still afraid of, of what might happen. Um, not only are they still afraid, um, they hadn't actually seen Jesus yet. So I'm sure they're still going like, man, but what's going on? Like, is, is he as real as I think he might be? You know, I think some of us, like, we, we have this hope that Jesus is real, right? Like, maybe we've, um, we've seen evidence of faith in our life. Maybe, maybe it's through the word. Maybe it's through a testimony of someone else. And we're like, okay, I, I feel like I'm, like, right there. Like, I, I've seen the cloth, just like kind of Peter must have seen it the day. But, but I want to see him personally, right? And then think about someone like Thomas. Um, if you know the story, he was the only disciple who wasn't there that night when Jesus showed up. And uh, all the disciples, they, they go to Thomas and they say to him, and they say, hey, we met Jesus. Like, the, like, we saw his hands. We saw his side. Like, we saw him. It was really him. And Thomas is saying, no, I can't believe it. There, there's no way that's true. That, that, again, that doesn't fit inside my worldview. I, I don't believe that that's possible. And the Bible says that it, for eight days, Thomas doubted. For eight days, Thomas did not see Jesus. He did not see him face to face. And he said, you know what, I, I, I can't believe this. And then uh, at, at the latter part of John chapter 20, Jesus meets up with, John, or, sorry, Jesus meets up with Thomas and, um, and Jesus shows him. He says, hey, here's, here's my hands. Here, here's my side. You, do, you, do you believe me? And we get these words um, at the end of chapter 20. Uh, he says this to Thomas. He says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. So I want to say it's okay if this Easter you're kind of struggling with doubt. But I also want to challenge you to say, maybe, you know what, maybe your prayer today can be, God, would you, would you show yourself to me? Like maybe for some of us, like we feel like I literally need Christ himself to show up and to show me his scars, to show me his side, to really believe in it. But, but maybe God can give you peace in your heart that will believe in him that doesn't quite require something to that degree. Because he says this again, he says, blessed are those who do not have to see yet still believe. But I think it's a legitimate request if you're kind of wrestling with doubt just to say, God, would you help me in my unbelief? Would you help me? Again, the first question we have to ask ourselves this Easter morning is, do I believe in the risen Jesus? And then, kind of just going off the words that Jesus gave his apostles on that first night, I would ask us, um, if you've put your faith in Jesus and you do believe in him, uh, do you have the peace that Jesus brings? Now, now we know like the ultimate peace that Jesus brings, right? And this is the most important thing. Hands down, this is the most important thing. Like this is the thing that we've been studying in the book of Romans. This is like Romans chapter one, two, and three. Every human at one point in their life from birth to that moment of faith, um, or if you haven't put your faith in him yet, the Bible says we are literally at war with God. Uh, the text says we are at enmity with him. We are at war. Uh, this happens for two reasons. Either A, because of our disbelief in him, our rejection of him, uh, that and um, the way that we choose intentionally to live our lives in a way that's not consistent with how God would want us to live. And the Bible says because of these things, we are at w war with God. So, so there is no peace there. We don't have peace. But when we put our faith in Jesus... That faith pays for that rebellion and gives us peace with God. So we have that peace on a big level. But what I want to look at for just a minute before we close here is, do you have a peace on a daily level? 
You know, because here's the thing. One of the things that should mark a true believer is someone who really, truly lives everyday life in peace. And it's not, again, it's not just like, yeah, everything's going to be all right, man. Peace, love, daisy chains, like all, all is good. Like it's a peace that's so much deeper than that. I want you to ask yourself this question. Like, do you trust that God's love for you is never ending? Do you trust that God's love for you is unlimited? If you really truly believe in your heart that God's love for you does not ever end, you will have the peace that Jesus offers. I think that's hard though. I think it's hard for a lot of us because here's why. Everything that we experience in this world for the most part um, comes through a lens of scarcity, meaning everything that we have is limited. So the other day, I want to share a quick story with you. The other day, my family um, was celebrating. One of my daughters had just read a bunch of, of Bob books, just real simple books. She's five. She read a bunch of books this week. So we're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to have this big celebration. Let's, let's, let's say, yay, you did this thing. So uh, my wife and, and I think she and, and my five-year-old uh, cooked a bunch of brownies during the day. So made a bunch of brownies. And they made them these little cupcake things, little foils. And uh, they put them out for dinner or for after dinner. We ate this great dinner. We're outside. It's warm and sunny. Thank you, God, for that recently. It's been amazing. Um, but uh, the, it's after dinner. We're having this dessert. And I, I've got this great idea. Let's put it all into one bowl. And so I go to the kitchen. I'm preparing it. I get the brownies. I, I put them in the bowl. I get like five of them in there. I put all kinds of ice cream in there. My eight-year-old's helping. So she's like, okay, let's get a ton of ice cream. Let's get a bunch of chocolate chips. Let's get a bunch of Hershey syrup on there. Let's get a bunch of sprinkles. Um, and then we get, uh, each person gets a spoon. So we take the dessert. We go outside. I put it on the table. And I say, hey, girls, we're, we're all going to share this. And this is like hyenas on a fresh carcass. Like, I mean, literally, this is like kids are just like, huh? And my wife and I are like, just like, okay, like, like j- girls, 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 come on, come on. Like, you're going to be okay. And we, we literally, I, I kid you not, we, we tried to teach them like, hey, take a bite. Like, do this. Take a bite and, and chew it. Like, count, I don't know, count to 10. Maybe put your spoon down. Like, it's going to be okay. But here's the thing, like deep down inside for an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old, and realistically for 35-year-olds, there is a fear and there is an angst that if I don't get what I can right now, there's not going to be any more left. Like it's going to be gone. And so what do we do? We consume, we consume, we consume as fast as we can so that we can get our own And here's the thing, that's because everything else in this life operates that way. Um, Everything that we think of runs out. Ice cream runs out, right? Our patience runs out. Resources run out. That's why there's fear right now. Like in in everything that we're kind of living in, it's just like, man, like our health at some point will run out. Like, hello, we're all going to die. Time will tick and eventually that alarm will hit and we will all die. And those things bring us fear. But the love that God has for me never runs out. When God says, I am for you, he says, I am always for you. I work always all things together for your good, for the Christian, for those who are called according to his purpose. His kindness never runs out. His patience, think about this, God's patience never runs out on me. 
Like that is not something that is true in my home right now. I'm just going to be honest. Like in my home, like my patients, my wife's patients, my kids' patients, like it, yeah. God's kindness, his forgiveness, his patience, his love, his mercy endures forever. The only peace that you will ever have comes from understanding that God's love for you is infinite. Lastly, I'll end on this one little piece. Jesus said it to his apostles. Um, He said it uh, through Ananias to Paul, and he says it to you and I. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And the whole point is like, yeah, I get peace as a Christian. Like, no matter what happens, like, I realize I'm going to be okay because even if I go without something and eventually I am killed, I will be with God forever. Like, I have that peace. But that's not just for me. Like, that peace isn't just for us as Christians. The whole point is that peace is for us to share. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And here's the thing. When the Father sent Jesus, when he sent the Son, it wasn't in ease. It wasn't in comfort. It wasn't in simplicity in terms of um, there is not going to be any suffering. As the Father sent Jesus, meant like, you're going to give your whole life to this. And eventually you're going to be killed. But you'll conquer death and you'll be with me forever. And so I would just ask you, like, as you're looking at your life right now, who are you being sent to? I asked myself this, I kind of just this last week, Josh, like this is a unique time, it's a unique season, who are you being sent to? See, all the normal rhythms and routines of who we normally interact with, um, it's just, it's a very, very different time. Who are we being sent to? I think about just this last week, um, I was um, uh, Facebook messaging one of our missionaries in Africa, and just kind of hearing about some of the unique opportunities and thinking through, man, you want to talk about angst and fear and genuine need right now. When you're talking about a lockdown for people who don't have the basics of a refrigerator and a deep freeze and Winco and Costco and government surplus and whatever, like there are people who have real need. So I'm trying to even ask in our home, I'm trying to even ask from our church, like what can we do right now to help those? God, who are you sending us to? Man, I want to I want to thank you for partnering with us and, and helping meet needs of people in our school systems, in our own city. But I would just ask you on that very personal level, who are you being sent to? If you've got young kids right now, chances are like you're being sent to them. You know, in your families, like chances are you're being sent to your family in a very unique way. In your neighbors, do you have elderly neighbors who who need some shopping done for them? What, whatever it is, like God is asking you in this season to be sent somewhere. This week, I want you to really put your finger on that. Where am I being sent to? So as we wrap it up, as we say, he is risen, he is risen indeed, Jesus rising leads to something. It leads to a life of peace to where no matter what happens, I can say, you know what, I'm okay. Like, I I may suffer, I may die, but I'll be okay. Christ conquered death. I've got something to look forward to beyond all this. And then I've got that message to go share to the world. Our vision is to love Jesus, to live like him, make him known. I think more than ever right now, our question is, how are we making him known? Would you devote your life to that? Thank you, Jesus. We love you. I'm going to pray. 
Hope you guys have an amazing Easter. Please send us those Easter pictures of you, your family all dolled up and beautiful and bows and ties and whatever. Easter egg hunts by yourself. If you're like 47 and you're out there hunting eggs, trying to conquer your children, I would love to see a video of that. Put that on our Facebook page. Um, other than that, have a fabulous Easter. I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you um, that we, while we are not here in this room, God, that we are reminded that your conquering death gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. My peace I give you. It's just like the first Easter. And then beyond that peace that you give us, you tell us, you say, as I have been sent, so I am sending you. And here's the beautiful thing, and we didn't even begin to talk about this. Uh, Jesus, at that point, gives them the Holy Spirit. God, your spirit has been given to us to enable us to be obedient to the things that you're asking us to do and give us the confidence and the boldness and just the awareness of where you're leading us to. So God, it's not just the cleverness of our own understanding that we have to look at and say, God, where are you leading us? We can lean into you and we can say, God, where are you asking me to be sent to? I pray that we would be um, just in touch and in tune with that request and that sending this week. God, I thank you for the opportunity in front of us. I thank you that you have conquered all of our fears and angst and given us peace as you remind us you conquered death. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we wrap up this service, we want to say thank you so much for joining us. If you're new, we would love to connect with you. A simple way to do that is text HELLO to NWH to 97000. We'd love to answer any questions that you have or help you with some simple next steps. If you're a regular part of our faith family, we would love to hear from you as well. If you have a specific prayer request, you can text NWH PRAY FOR to 97000. If you have a specific financial need, um, you can email us at elders at nwhills.com, and we want to be a supportive family during this time. We hope that you have a fabulous Easter, and remember the first words that Jesus told his disciples on that first Easter morning. My peace I give to you. As the, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We love you. Boom. Is that okay? I like fubbled a little bit, but it gives it personality, right? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yeah. I can do it again. I no. know I can. You got it. Nice job. You're totally sure? Do you want to watch it and make sure? You can watch it now. Now that we've got everything done. I don't, I don't necessarily need to watch it. I'm just saying in order you feel like you have the content you need that won't give you too much work. I don't think it'll give me any work at all. Stuff like this is the simple stuff. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I can do it again. Some videos of you guys. No, like pretend that you're singing. Oh, shoot. Sure. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Blonde. It's always something. You're always like, what? why isn't this working? And there's 20 things What's that could be wrong. I'd recommend trying to stare at the camera. If you can look at the... And it's okay that I'm staring at my screen right next to the camera, or you, because I have been looking at that screen. And I know what you're thinking. There's not a lot of reasons to celebrate right now. We're all stuck at home. There's no school. We can't go to the park. And guys, I know what you're thinking right now. There's n not a lot that we... And guys, I know what you're thinking. There's not a lot of reasons to celebrate.